Good evening and welcome to Mets 360 here on CAST. I'm your host Brian Jora and joined tonight by Mets 360 writer Dalton Allison. Dalton, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me back. I love coming on and doing the podcast with you, Brian. All right, well, let's get right to it. Um, Jason Vargas last night uh, had his best outing as a Met. Surprised us all, me especially. (laughs) So I want to know from you, do you think uh, he's finally going to start paying dividends for the club? Well, Jason Vargas, he's the the epitome of the the showing why the the win is one of the most overrated stats in Major League Baseball. Last year, he finished with 18 wins, led the American League. But when he signed with the Mets, a lot of people looked at that wins instead of his ERA, which was over four. And that ERA has since doubled since last year. And honestly, it's great that he had one good start but you have to look at the people that he was facing he was facing the Baltimore Orioles of all teams in Major League Baseball so I'm happy that he got a good start and I hope that he continues to have them but I based on the way that he's been pitching this season I do not expect anything less than him to get bombshelled his next time out now I'm very disappointed because when the news first hit that they signed Vargas I didn't come out and blast it right away. I, I think I was lukewarm on it. I said, uh, uh, I'm not doing jumping jacks, but uh, I don't hate it, I believe is the way that I phrased it. And I, and I wish that I had come right out and said, oh, I hate this. And, and I think I'd have a little more credibility right now. But I'm, I'm ready to kick him to the curb. And, and like you said, it was it was the Oreos. Let's not, uh, let's not get too excited about uh, him finally having a, a good outing. You know, if a broken clock is right uh, twice uh, twice a day, perhaps Jason Vargas can have one start or two starts an entire year where he's good. And so one down, one to go, I guess. Yeah, we'll see what happens. I mean, going down the stretch, a lot of teams are going to be very, very desperate to, to make the playoffs, especially we see the Braves and the Phillies. So I think that they're going to they're going to completely wreck Jason Vargas, knowing that he's a probably the weak, one of the weakest pitchers in the National League East, and they're really going to take advantage of that. All right, well, let's talk about a happier story, and that's Michael Conforto, uh, the Mets' uh, young uh, star outfielder. He's been red hot since the All-Star break, and I want to know from you, do you think that this is a hot streak, or do you think it's a uh, promising youngster finally uh, healthy after sh- uh, last year's shoulder surgery? Well, I think that he has finally regained his health. I think the coming out of the all-star break i think the mets did uh, rush him uh, not out of the all-star break excuse me it's coming into the season the mets they kind of did rush him back from his injury and i think that hopefully he is picking it up now i mean he's really struggled with consistency throughout his whole career and i'd love to see him hit at this toward pace but i really i need to see him continue that throughout the rest of the season i mean if you would combine, maybe he has a good second half here, and then you combine that with the first half he had last season, and I, that's really the Michael Conforto that we want to see. Now, the Mets have a, a lot riding on Conforto because he's a, a young, cost-controlled player, and they don't have just a whole heck of a lot of those. And, and plus, he's uh, he's a guy who could uh, conceivably hit 30 home runs and, and uh, drive in 120 runs. And again, the Mets don't have a whole lot of those guys. So they really need Conforto for this streak that he's been on now for it to be real and, and not just a, uh, a small sample illusion. Um, I'm a little worried about... Um, you know his uh, 
his struggle with uh, with sliders uh, low and in seems like he's uh, swinging over the top of those quite a lot. It's not quite in Ike Davis territory yet, where any curveball, regardless of where it was, he was swinging at. It seems to be much more the inside ones than the outside ones that are giving him trouble. So uh, hopefully he can he can make an adjustment on that one pitch, and and then uh, then we can see even better things than what we're seeing so far. Yeah, I think that he is starting to mature as a hitter a little bit. He's hitting 301 since the All-Star break. So he's he had a high coming right out of the gate against the Yankees. He's kind of came back down to earth a little bit. Of course, you can't hit 350 consistently for most of the season unless you're unless you're a Mookie Betts out in Boston. But I mean, really Michael Conforto, he's he's a he's a part. He's going to be an integral part of the Mets moving forward. And I think that they really need him to be that possible one or two, uh, two, two or three hitter in their future. I think that's really how they see him. And when they think about their team of the future, he's the two or three hitter. And I mean, he's, he's been hitting there recently. So I think that he's starting to settle into his role a little bit. And I think that he'll mature a little bit. And then next year, I want to see him fully healthy in a full season. Now, we started off the podcast talking about Jason Vargas and his start Tuesday night, and Vargas was good, and uh, unfortunately the bullpen uh, was not good, and uh, they take the lion's share of the the blame for the loss last night. And, you know, you sit there and and watch the bullpen night after night, and um, is there anyone there besides Robert Gesellman and Seth Lugo who you think can be uh, a positive contributor for the team going forward? Yeah, I, I really like Tyler Bashler. I think that his stuff is just electric, and really you can't teach that. I think right now that he's a, a raw, very raw talent that the Mets have, and he could be up possibly too soon in the se- too soon in his career. I mean, the, when you watch the guy, his fastball is just electric off of his arm, and you can't teach that kind of stuff. You can you can teach. You can teach things like how to throw a curveball, how to throw a slider, different grips and everything like that, but you just cannot teach natural movement on a fastball, and that's something that Tyler Bashler has. The the nice contrast to what you're talking about is Drew Smith, who seems to throw uh, just as hard as Bashler, maybe even a, a tick or two faster, but his his fastball is much straighter than uh, Bashler's, and uh, and I think that even though Smith has uh, better numbers right now, I think in the in the long haul Bashler is going to be better. One guy I want to ask you about is uh, the guy that the Mets got from the A's in the Familia deal, and that's uh, Bobby Wall, who had great numbers in, in AAA, but seems to have been knocked around a little bit here in his uh, brief appearances with the Mets. Um, I think he's been in about five, six, seven games, something like that. And uh, I think he, he had a clean inning his, his first appearance, but then uh, given up runs just about every time since. Uh, any hope for him at all? I think right now it's a little too early to, to look at Bobby Wall and say whether he's going to be a part of this bullpen going into the future or not. I mean, he really has only about maybe 13 games major league under his belt, and none of them are starts, obviously. So I think that moving forward, yeah, he has 12 innings of major league work under his belt. I think he really needs to just find his footing because he's another guy I like that's young. He's a he's a hard thrower too. I'm moving forward. The Mets could potentially have such a a, a quality hard throwing bullpen, and I think that's definitely something to look forward to. 
Well, I think we uh, lost you for a, a little bit there, Dalton. I'm not sure if there's anything that you can do to adjust your mic, but you seem to be fading in and out on that uh, last answer. But if 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 I heard correctly, you were thinking that uh, Wall was uh, uh, not quite ready to be counted on as a member for next year's pen. Is that correct? Yeah, I think that I think that Wall maybe well, he has to get his footing. Right now, he's just I think he's trying to find his place up there on the mound. He's trying to find out who he really is as a relief pitcher, whether he wants to strategize more or just go up there and chuck it. And I think that once he kind of finds that, I think he will be effective. He just needs to find what he's effective at right now because much like Tyler Bashler, I see Bobby Wall as a, a, a raw talent. They're both in their mid-20s right now, so they're really trying to find their way. So I think that they are eventually going to find their way, and then when they do, they'll both be a good pair along with Drew Smith, and I think that the Mets are going to have a, a quality bullpen in two to three years. Uh, it would certainly be nice after what we've witnessed uh, the last two seasons. But let's uh, pivot here a little bit and talk about the uh, rotation, or at least one guy in the rotation, and that's Zach Wheeler. Uh, Wheeler has won five consecutive starts here and uh, really has a lot of people sitting up and uh, eagerly anticipating his starts. Now, Wheeler is scheduled to pitch later tonight as the Mets play the Orioles in the second game of their two-game series. So we're recording this before um, Wheeler's outing tonight. So we may look either really, really intelligent or really, really foolish based on what he, he does tonight. But <laughs> yeah. I want to know, are, are you a believer? Do you, do you think this is a, an ace pitcher or do you, do you think this is nothing more than a hot streak and the bubble's about to burst? Yeah, I believe that right now he's, he's right now I think he's pitching better than he's pitched for his, the entirety of his career. I think this is the best that he's ever pitched as a major league pitcher. I think they're they're finally starting to see the the return on Zach Wheeler, but I I think what I need out of Zach Wheeler, I need him to be a a quality pitcher. I don't need Zach Wheeler to be an ace. And I mean, don't get me wrong, I love the stats that he's going on and the the way that he's pitching right now, but I I really don't know if he's going to be able to maintain that for a long time. But I sure hope he does. I'm right now. You got to give all the credit to him. He's as you mentioned, five straight wins he's just pitched absolutely outstanding in the month of august his era is 1.29 and he's 2 and 0 so and he's pitched seven innings in each start so you can't really ask more especially nowadays out of a starting pitcher it seems like seven innings is seven innings is the new complete game really in major league baseball so really you're looking at zach wheeler and you're saying this guy is throwing out quality starts every time he goes out there so if he could be like this for the rest for the for for the majority of his career, I think that Zach Wheeler is going to be a very quality pitcher for the Mets. People tend to forget that uh, before he uh, uh, came down with the elbow problems that necessitated Tommy John surgery, Zach Wheeler had a, a really, really good stretch. I think it was about 17 games uh, in 2014 where he delivered these kind of results. And then at the end of the year, he got beat around a little bit. And, and in hindsight, you can say, well, he was probably pitching with uh, an elbow that uh, probably didn't merit him being on the mound. So, you know, it, it's taken quite a while for him to, to get back to that level again. But it's so encouraging to see him out there. And it used to be you'd look at the, the matchups in the paper and you'd see, like, oh, Wheeler's going tonight. We're going to have to struggle through five five innings of uh, constant nibbling and three-two counts and all of the rest. But it seems like right now he's attacking hitters and it's like, hey, I've got good stuff. Let's see if you can hit it. 
and it, it, it's just wonderful to see and you know it, it's it's really a nice uh, three-fifths of a rotation that they have with DeGrom and Syndergaard and Wheeler right now it's absolutely encouraging moving forward this is the rotation that everyone has kind of started to really dream about dating back to even when Matt Harvey was on the team I mean right now this is this is what everyone envisioned this is the rotation that the Mets are supposed to have if only Steven Matz could figure it out they'd have four extremely strong starters and it would be that they'd be something else this the rotation would be what it was finally supposed to be but I think Zach Wheeler coming into his own now is is really just gonna help the Mets completely completely more I mean Syndergaard and DeGrom is a great one too but when you have a one two three that can make all the difference especially if you're talking about one of those short playoff series now, perhaps the most surprising news that's come about in, in Mets land since the, uh, the All-Star break has been uh, David Wright. He's uh, uh, back, on our, uh, back on our radar. He's playing rehab games now. I believe uh, today is going to be his uh, third game in, uh, in four days. So what's your reaction to David Wright being back on a baseball field? I mean, I think it's awesome for him. I, I absolutely want to see him be able to get back out there get in the game again and obviously he's never going to be able to be what he used to be on the diamond I don't know if he his back can handle him making those one-handed plays that he used to those barehanded throws to first base is really his trademark play in the infield that won him those gold gloves but I'm I sure hope that he's a he comes back eventually maybe he'll have some form of of small role with the team. I don't know if he'll ever make the majors again, but you can't not pull for David Wright. He's done everything he possibly could to really earn his money on his contract. Yeah, no one can uh, say that Wright's not leaving it all out on the field, doing everything he can to to come back out and uh, and uh, be a be a New York Met again. And in one way, it, it it's very admirable, and in another way, it it's like why are you doing this? Um, yeah, he's he's suffering from uh, a condition that's not going to get better with his back, the stenosis. And even when he was playing with it before um, uh, this year and a half uh, disabled this time, I mean, he was having to go through such a regimen just to be able to get on the field. I'm, I mean, I forget what the time he was, but he was spending an hour, two hours uh, loosening up before every game and never quite knew if he was going to be able to play until a little bit before game time. And, and it's just... The, the man is young and has a beautiful family and has uh, the rest of his life ahead of him. And it, part of me wishes he would just say thanks for the memories and and uh, trot off into the sunset. Yeah, I I was David Wright was my first real favorite baseball player. I'm I'm currently only going to be a sophomore in college, so really my childhood was just David Wright everything. I have so many David Wright jerseys that it's it's crazy, but I. A small part of me it's really wants him to be able to make it back, but the realistic me in my head is saying I it's just so hard to picture, and you wonder at what like what is he doing to his body to be able to get back to the point where he's he's making it back onto the field because it's it's abs- I, I can't imagine the the damage that it's going to put on his body moving forward into the future. Now. Um... 
David Wright has a rehab buddy, and that's Jay Bruce, who's uh, started his rehab uh, last night. And the news is he's going to alternate between playing rehab games at first base and the outfield. Uh, and you would think that uh, that has uh, significance to the Mets, at, at least at uh, the end of this year. <coughs> oh, excuse me. So how should the Mets use Jay Bruce when he returns? Well, a really, a really funny t- uh, tidbit right here before I go into how he should return with the Mets. I was down in Louisville, Kentucky about uh, two weeks back, and I, we obviously went on the Louisville Slugger Tour. It was an awesome museum, an awesome factory. You actually go right into the factory, and you see how all the, all the bats are made like that, and then they, they pull the... They, they brand their logo onto the baseball bats and they pull them right off the branding iron and they let you hold the bat and you could smell just the, the awesome wood that they use on that bat. But they also show you what player they're making the bats for. And I thought this was really funny. They were making Jay Bruce's bats when I was there. <laughs> so I kind of saw that. I was like, oh, I haven't heard anything about it, but I think Jay Bruce might finally be starting to come back right now. So I thought that was very funny. But I think with the Mets, I think... I think they're going to do exactly what he's doing right now. I think they're going to switch him first base and and outfield. I think that you can't not give Brandon Nimmo starts right now. Obviously, you need to keep Conforto playing, but it might eventually lead to keeping Nimmo or Conforto in center field and then bumping Austin Jackson somewhere else eventually off the team. I guess to me the the bigger question, at least in terms of the 2018 season, is... If Bruce is going to, to spend, uh, let's just say, even half of his time at first base, does that mean there's no room for Peter Alonzo? That's that's another troubling thing. I mean, people are clamoring for Peter Alonzo, and he just won one of the uh, Defensive Player of the Month's, Month awards down in the, the minor league system. So I, people are calling for him to come up. I still want to see a little bit more average out of Peter Alonzo before he's able to make it back up, uh, make it up to the major leagues, excuse me, but I'm, I mean, you gotta, Jay Bruce is a, an outfielder by trade, so I believe once Peter Alonso is ready, they're gonna push Jay Bruce back to the outfield and make things a lot tighter in that outfield rotation. So you're not worried about the Mets just using Bruce at first base as an excuse not to call up Alonso at all this year? I don't know, I don't necessarily know if that would happen. I think that if maybe if Bruce struggles out of the gate, especially the way that he's been playing, then they really have no other choice but to call up Alonzo just to just to keep fans from burning City Field down in anger. But I think that uh, I think that Jay Bruce is going to come back. I think he'll handle things okay at first base, and I think it might be until next season once the outfield depth is all all sorted out that uh, that the Mets will bring Peter Alonzo into the picture. Well, just a minute ago, while we were discussing Bruce, you mentioned Austin Jackson, and it seems to me he's going to be one of the players who's most um, impacted by Bruce's return this year. Uh, I know you wrote a a pretty positive uh, column about Jackson a week or so ago, and uh, what do you think? Do do you think he has a future with the uh, team, or do you think he's just this year's version of Nori Aoki? I mean, as much as I love Austin Jackson and what he does bring to the table for the team, I you really can't see him fitting in anywhere. I mean, the eventual return of Jay Bruce, and then you have you have Brandon Nimmo and Michael Conforto, and just 
eventually, way, way, way down the road, Yoannis Cespedes is going to come back. So the only way that I could see potentially Austin Jackson staying with the team next season is as a backup outfielder. And I don't know if he'd be willing to do that. We'll see where what he wants to do. I think it would be smart for the Mets to kind of hold on to him. He'd be really their only true center fielder. But then again, we'll see how healthy Juan Lagares is next season as well. So that just makes even less room for Austin Jackson. So as much as I like what he brings to the table, and as well as he's done in a Mets uniform, I really do not see him on the team next year. Well, we have reached the crazy prediction uh, time of the uh, podcast here. And uh, Dalton, you've been here before, so you know how this works. But uh, in case anyone is listening for the first time, I'm going to give a crazy prediction and then ask Dalton for his thoughts on my prediction. And then we'll switch roles and and Dalton will offer up uh, to me his uh, crazy prediction for the Mets. And uh, mine this week is that the New York Mets will be the next New York City team to win a championship. So tell me, how crazy is that? I think that's pretty wild. I mean, I I don't know if you um, I I don't know how much you follow the other sports, but I I don't think it's going to happen in I don't think the New York Yankees are going to be the next team. I really I don't see them moving forward. I I don't think that they're strong enough to beat the the Boston Red Sox or the Houston Astros, which means moving forward certainly the Mets aren't going to be strong enough to beat the the Boston Red Sox or the the Houston Astros, but I I look around at other New York sports, and I think that the football teams, they're starting to get a little bit closer. I know Eli Manning's at the twilight of his career as the quarterback of the New York Giants, but they just got Saquon Barkley, and he's going to be a special talent in the National Football League. While the Jets, they've just a, they've just drafted Sam Darnold, and he's looking better and better by the second, and they'll be able to get a nice return for Teddy Bridgewater at quarterback when they eventually trade him. So I think the Jets are building in the right direction. And I think also... You look at the Madison Square Garden teams, in a, two years, the Knicks are going to be a very elite basketball team because they have a lot of young talent moving forward, and then eventually they're also going to have a bunch of – they're going to be able to attract superstar talent to their team. And then, of course, the New York Rangers, they have a nice young core with a great coach coming in from Boston College that's going to be able to really mold them and sculpt them into a contender moving forward. So I think your your prediction's a little bit a little bit crazy, but not very far-fetched, but kind of crazy. Kind of crazy. Well, that's more than I usually get. All right, so show me. What, what does a crazy prediction look like? Well, I my crazy prediction is that David Wright is going to be on the opening day roster of the 2019 New York Mets. I do not think he's going to start, but I think he's going to come off the bench for the New York Mets next season because I think he'll be happy enough just to come off the bench at a major league game, and I think that he'll be received warmly by everyone, and I think that he'll be a pinch hitter for the 2019 New York Mets. Well, I'm, I'm going to brand that one as crazy because uh, I think he's either going to fail in his comeback attempt this year or make it back, uh, play in a handful of games and take a final bow and be done with it. I, I don't think we're seeing David Wright on a, on a major league field in a, in a uniform as a player uh, anymore after this year. So you, you get the gold seal of crazy for me. <laughs> Thank you, yeah. I, I tried to think as wild as I possibly could, but I, I think that there there's a, a tiny, tiny possibility that it actually does happen. 
All right, well, uh, let's get back into the uh, land of reality and uh, let's talk about one of the bright spots uh, here in the 2018 season, and that's Brandon Nimmo. And he started off uh, the year as the, the leadoff hitter, then they moved him down. I believe he was the, the third hitter for a little while as they were trying to take advantage of his power. And then he went into a slump and they've moved him down to like sixth, I believe. So where should Brandon Nimmo bat in this lineup? I really like Brandon Nimmo as a leadoff hitter. I truly think that he is, the way that he, the style of his game and the hustle that he just brings to the field, I really truly do believe that Brandon Nimmo should be the leadoff hitter for this team. I'm, we saw him be successful in the role earlier in the season, and we've seen him be moved around, and it just hasn't worked out. So I, I do see Brandon Nimmo being successful continuously in the leadoff spot. Now, last year, one of the, the few moves of Terry Collins that I really uh, backed and appreciated was moving Michael Conforto into the leadoff spot. And Conforto did a great job, and, and no one seemed to, to like Conforto in the leadoff spot because, you know, they had heard uh, endless numbers of times from Keith Hernandez how Conforto was an ideal number three hitter. And... I mean, I think Nimmo is is great at the top of the order, but I also think that if you follow that logic for Conforto, why not follow it for Nimmo too? Yeah, I I think that they really do want Conforto to be the number three hitter. So I I honestly I don't know if I, they'll have to make that decision moving forward. I mean, when the outfield is fully packed again, I you hope that there's a spot for Brandon Nimmo, but we really don't know moving forward what's even what the outfield is going to be next next season. So I, I want to – we'll look and see next season what it is, but I, if anywhere in the batting order, I do see Brandon Nimmo hitting first. Well, if Nimmo is on the team, I don't see any way where he's, he's not playing uh, a majority of the games where he's healthy. But um, where he's healthy may be the kiss of death as far as the New York Mets are, are concerned because it seems that they're never that way. All right, well, we have uh, one, one last question here. And, uh, uh, you know, the, clearly the, the best thing going for the Mets this year has been Jacob deGrom. And, you know, if the season ended today, do you think he'd win the Cy Young Award? Sadly, I don't. And on, it would probably go to Max Scherzer because of the season that he's having. But the, the voters in, in Cooper's uh, – the voters for the Writers Association aren't – I don't believe that they value ERA as much as they should right now. And they will look at Max Scherzer, and they'll look at his team, and they'll say, well, Max Scherzer definitely helped out his team more than Jacob deGrom did. So I think that right now, Jacob deGrom needs to get some more... Sadly, he needs to get more run support, and he needs to get more wins under his belt before that he can officially say that, they, that he's going to win the Cy Young. I mean... He should win the Cy Young Award just based on how dominant that he is, but the Mets aren't a good team, and I think that's going to hurt him a little bit. It, it's not a direct parallel, but uh, at one point there was a um, uh, an almost like a craze type thing where saying that somebody is so underrated that he becomes overrated because everyone's talking about how he's underrated. And, and my opinion is that's what we're going to see a little bit with Jacob DeGrom and the Cy Young Award 
everyone is talking about, oh, well, he's the best pitcher, but you know the voters aren't going to vote for him because he doesn't have the wins. And I think that that has become such a story in and of itself that I really don't worry about the wins. Uh, I think that right now um, DeGrom needs to uh, maybe get a little bit closer in the strikeouts. I'm, I'm more worried about the strikeouts than I am the wins at this point. And, uh, you know, certainly he did a, a great job his last time out with the uh, 12Ks and six and two-thirds innings. But if he can uh, catch up in the strikeout department, I think, uh, I think DeGrom will take home the hardware. Yeah, and of course the guy that he's the guy that he's trying to chase right now is Max Scherzer. I mean, Max Scherzer is having a fantastic season. Of course, he leads the National League in wins, but he also leads them in strikeouts, and he's the guy who's in second place for earned run average. So I think right now, if the season were to end today, Max Scherzer would take home the hardware for the uh, the National League Cy Young. All right. Well, uh, before we go, Dalton, uh, I, I know it's a little early. You you always write a uh, column for Saturday for the Mets 360. Uh, any idea what uh, this week's column is going to be? I was trying to think of different ideas at work today while I was working along the line, and I was thinking maybe writing an article geared towards the ownership of the New York Mets. Well, there you go. Maybe uh, maybe you'll do crazy prediction. Instead of a crazy prediction, you'll have a crazy column, and, and you'll you'll tell us all how the Wilpons are great owners. Yeah, that, that'll be the day, won't it? <laughs> all right. Well, Dalton, thanks for uh, joining us again, and please make sure that uh, you go to Mets360.com and check out Dalton's uh, column on, on Saturday where he sings the praises of uh, Fred and Jeff Wilpon. Uh, until then, <laughs> uh, you can... Uh, Catch us uh, here on the podcast uh, next week. I believe uh, Jason Epstein, former National Review columnist, is going to drop in and, and discuss the Mets. Good night, everyone, and goodbye. <laughs>